Sky. Howdy, folks. We are here with Wildcat Minute, here to talk about High School Musical, one minute at a time. Are you ready for the Rootness Tootness podcast this side of the Mississippi? The wildest ride in the wilderness? The wildest ride in the wilderness. What was that? The uh, Big Thunder um, Mountain. Big Thunder Mountain, yeah. That is the truly the wildest ride in the wilderness. It, um, truly, the wilderness of Walt Disney Parks everywhere around land. the world. <laughs> I don't think... Oh no! Big Thunder Mountain is on front. Uh, there's one park that it's in Frontierland, but it's just in a very different spot. Hey, speaking of Disney, we're talking about High School Musical one minute at a time. We're the amateur nerds. I'm Tyler. I'm Condra. We are talking about minute forty today, which starts out with a pan down of the cafeteria from Sharpay, overlooking it, and ends with Martha singing about her intelligence. So we're in another song, people. It's exciting. Yes. <laughs> Killed up red alert. We got another song, people. Brace yourselves. This one's a doozy. Yeah. So we pan down and we kind of see the the sports boys who are, I think, I've, you may be right. They're, they're sitting in front of the sports mural. So you may be right. <laughs> I, sorry to spoil a little bit, but I was like, huh. Once you mentioned those other murals, I was like, do we have a thing? So they're all kind of sitting around this one table. Just there's like, like one, a- this one table with no one near them. And there's like 18 people around this table, even though like only eight people can sit at the table. Yeah, there's like cheerleaders or or athletic females. We don't know if they're yeah, cheerleaders. They're in like jumpsuits that, you know, often suggest cheerleader. Um, but, you know, it could be anything. You're right. Yeah, they have the high socks, though, that would maybe suggest they're not cheerleaders and they're like soccer players. But I don't know. Hard to say. Uh, and then we have definitely some basketball boys. We like recognize Jason and um, Zeke and then Chad. But then we also have some other ath- presumably athletic people that we have not seen before. Yeah, some randos. Um, so there's the yeah, there's this table in the middle. And then there's also kind of this like alcove of like stairs and like 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 slight stages. Like if they're mm-hmm. having like an assembly like that could be like where someone could stand Kind of on that little area, and then everyone could, like, sit on the floor in the background. Yeah. Yeah, and the the athletic people are all around this this area. I mean, it it looks less realistic for what a real high school would have and more realistic for what's a good place to stage a musical number. Absolutely. (laughs) So, yeah, as we were talking about last minute, we have this kind of, like, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun music going. Very, very, like, musical-y, very Broadway-y. And it was kind of rolling over the dialogue before. And then now, in this minute, as we pan down, we see Zeke kind of pacing back and forth. It's much much like Sharpay was earlier, mm-hmm. uh, before she had posed atop the balcony. And then he starts singing out of nowhere. Surprise, singing. He starts singing Stick to the Status Quo. Yes, which is our next song. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, the first line of the song is more, more basketball nonsense. <laughs> Um, who can bet there's nothing but net when I'm in the zone and on a roll? <laughs> I mean, that's like kind of there. There are phrases in there that are basketball things, like nothing but <laughs> well, if net. If you're in the zone, if you're in the zone, it could be more two things, I guess. You're like in the zone, just kind of like mentally, um, but also like in a zone, zone defense, defense. But that's defense, not offense. If there's nothing yeah. but net when you're on defense, that's a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you should be doing defense better. And if you're on a roll, that's like a passing, like a pick and roll passing play. Not, not no one's shooting yet. So, I think this is more mentally, because like <laughs> you're on a roll, like 
you're doing the good things and like doing good. I suppose. But there is this kind of basketball overlap, which is meant to be like, do the writers know what they're doing? Yeah. Who are, do we know that the, the songwriters on this song were like the main guys? Um, I did not have that. I might have that right here, though. We can we can do further research for like next episode or something. When there's I, I mean, let's get it now, because I think next time there's going to be a lot to say. So uh, next time there's going to be a guest. A ghost guest. Not a ghost guest. Oh, no. Guest. We have to kill our guest. No. No. And their unfinished business is our podcast. Oh, boy. What an afterlife. <laughs> no, but we will have a guest next time, so I think we should get this now. So, Stick to the Status Quo was written by David Lawrence and Faye Greenberg. So, no. People that we have not seen before. No, 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 no. Just go with the flow or whatever, guys. Let the other people do the songs. You stick to, I don't know, whatever you're good at. I mean, this one definitely does have a bit of a different feel than some of the other songs in the movie. So it makes sense that this has like two different writers. Yeah, yeah. And this one, yeah, this, I mean, very, very classic Broadway in the sense that, you know, it's going back and forth from like, you know, singing these kind of little motifs and like snips, like, um, what do you call it? Hooks, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then going to like a little bit of dialogue and then kind of switching between who's singing and then, yeah, you know, set up and then chorus and then little like a little setup and then chorus. And then it kind of switches between characters. Yeah. Um, very, very classic Broadway type stuff. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, Zeke starts singing that he's got a secret obsession. Um, and it's it's making him lose control. There's a really good, like, I really like the patterning of the words. Like, they're not always rhyming, but the rhythm of the lyrics is very fun. The kind of meter and internal rhymes work pretty well, regardless of their basketball accuracy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So he he goes, if Troy can tell a secret, so can I. Um, And then the rest of the people sing everybody gather round which is like kind of like a weird one one line of singing interlude that makes no sense but i guess it works yeah i also think this is really funny because he's like i have a secret and then they're like everyone come and i think it's funny (laughs) that some of the female athletes that are in the front turn to like the tables that are next to them that are not athlete people you can tell by the way they're dressed and like are motioning for them to come over too none of them do but it's like okay this is not just athletes that are finding out this secret apparently the athletes want to share it with everyone (laughs) oh yeah i mean because the tea needs to be spilt everywhere everywhere just dump it in the harbor. Everything's coming out. <laughs> and and what does what does Zeke tell everyone? That he loves to bake. He's a baker. He says, "I bake. I love to bake." Which is weird to weird, weird to start out with. I bake. Um, usually, you would go with like, yeah, I like like I like to bake, and then like, is there a movie where like someone goes like, "I'm a blanker. I blank. I blank. I what is the." I, I can think of like I'm not a I'm a doctor not a ex like Star Trek. I, I just thought of the line um, um, from Scott Pilgrim versus the World where oh. Scott goes she has the propensity to geek she geeks but there's a specific one that I'm thinking of and it's not I, I like, don't know but yeah I bake he says I love to bake uh, strudels what does he say strudels scones and even apple 
pandowdy. Do you know what an apple pandowdy is? I actually had to look it up because I was not sure. It's similar to like an apple crumble or an apple crisp where it's got spiced apples on the bottom and then um, a top layer. But this top layer is puff pastry and it's got like crumbles and things on top of the puff pastry. It looks delicious. Um, I cannot make puff pastry. Uh, That's beyond my baking ability right now. Also beyond my eating ability right now. So I wouldn't be able to eat an uh, apple pandowdy, but it looked delicious. And then he's hoping one day to perfect or to create the perfect creme brulee, which honestly, like mad respect if that's what he's shooting for, because like creme brulee is hard. Like getting custard is right is hard. Well, I mean, good on Zeke. I mean... It's good for him to have a balanced lifestyle. Like we we support him in yeah. his baking endeavors. I am so proud of Zeke for being comfortable enough with his friends to come out and reveal this thing that is his passion. Like he loves baking. You yeah, can and tell. I think yeah, and it's also good on him. Like now, because presumably they've just been talking about how Troy kind of had, um, you know, this other side to him, and it's it's brave of him to like not only share what he wants, but like kind of in defense of Troy. Like, hey, Troy can like singing. Because, you know, like, I have this part of me, like, like he's kind of be- being more accepting. Like, everyone should have kind of other hobbies. Yeah, it's good to be a well-rounded human. Uh, I w- I, one thing I did wonder was why the uh, spoken dialogue that Zeke has in this part is ADR'd. Like, I... clearly everything in this whole scene was recorded in the studio. Yeah. And the, the, like, everything in this scene is lip-synced, therefore. Yeah, the whole there's um more dialogue a little later on too, and that's ADR as well. And I think it's just like consider trying to record anything in a cafeteria with music and dancing. Like I think there's just I, I think the audio would have been very tricky to get. But I mean, it's you're just getting the if you're just getting the spoken dialogue, that's like fine. Like that's doable. I don't know. I think. It was probably easier for them to just do this whole scene in studio. I mean, definitely easier. Yeah. So uh, we're talking TV movie budget. So, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. And then we get kind of the, the main refrain of the song, which is this kind of no, 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 oh, no, no, no. Stick to the stuff, you know, if you want to be cool, follow one simple rule. Don't mess with the flow. No, no. Don't mess with the flow. No, no. Stick to the stick status. to the status quo. Well, um, I like when they say cool, all of them pr- pop the, pretend like, collars that they shirts, do not yeah. have. Um, well, one of the guys in the background does have a collar, so he does it. Yeah. And also... Is the dancing in this scene good or bad? I like it, but because <laughs> it is so... In the same way, like, uh, get your head in the game, it is very contextually based. Like, they are dancing with their surroundings and the props um, and the scenery... I like that because they like point to the basketball that's in the middle of the table. Like Zeke had shot the basketball at someone and they put it down to the center of the table and they're like, basketball is your thing. And then they like do some spins and interact with the, the, t- the stools on the lunch table. And they're set up around like they're focused in on themselves but they're also spreading their emotion outward. Like they'll turn around with their backs to Zeke and like go no and put their hands on their heads and like exclaiming outwards that something is wrong internally with the basketball people. Yeah, it's actually interesting because because the focus of the camera is actually on Zeke for most of the uh, 
most of the scene. Mm-hmm. We don't actually get a, a like many wide shots of the dancers or like close ups of the dancers. Um, so it's hard to really tell like how good of dancing they're doing because it's kind of hidden by the camera. Yeah, I mean they're doing some marching in place and like there's some spins and stuff and. Yeah, we get some cool moments, but it's hard to really get like absorb like oh this is like a big dance number like. <laughs> Which I'm assuming we'll get to, like, by the end, the whole cafeteria will kind of be in on it. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, they pass the basketball back to him at the end, and he kind of, like, has to think about the basketball, I guess. They make him sit down and think about what he said. (laughs) Um, Um, I would have liked to see more of, like, a a dialogue reaction from Chad. Chad Um, looks angry. Talking, like, talking it out, like, talking out. I would have liked to seen the scene before this where they're talking about how Troy, like, is, is Troy a singer? Like, is he like, is he not doing basketball anymore? Like, I would have liked to seen that breakdown, which led up to Zeke kind of making his confession. Yeah. Or I think it could be just as powerful Zeke sitting with this on his own and being like, you know what? I'm going to be brave, too. Like, Troy was really brave. I'm going to be brave, too. And like, Chad had nothing to do like because he wasn't sitting next to chad when we first saw them like when the 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 pan down so maybe he has been like kind of quiet these last couple minutes and then all of a sudden he like burst forth. you know how like when you have this like feeling or you have something you want to say and it kind of just like eventually bubbles up and bursts out i think it's something (laughs) like that oh another funny thing is throughout this whole scene sharpay is still just sitting up on top of the balcony just standing there like still watching Always must watching. Have a, must have been a fun day of shooting for Ashley Tisdale. Just like, okay, Ashley, just stand there. Don't move. Good. Perfect. Stay there. Beautiful. Hip popped more. <laughs> Pop Be that hip more. Sassier. <laughs> Angrier face. There we go. We can direct And then, that. yeah, we can be Hollywood directors now. Got it. Nailed um, it. TV movie Hollywood directors. Um, and then we and then we got to cut over to the nerd table for the kind of the start of the second verse. They're called the Brainiacs, Tyler. They are not oh, nerds. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, no, like, official lyrics calls this the Brainiac table and stuff, so. Now, it, does this overlap with where, like, Taylor or maybe Gabriella would be sitting? No. No? <laughs> so who who does who is Taylor align herself with? The academic decathlon people. <laughs> <laughs> so do they not get along with the Brainiacs? I don't know. I always, so... We'll talk about them a little more next week, too. But um, so I'll save like what I really have to say for next week, probably. But um, based on what they're reading for textbooks, they don't seem to align with what the academic decathlon people do. <laughs> they're more okay. humanities, social science focused. Like we see Martha, who's the person that starts to sing and a couple other people around the table reading American history textbooks. And they're reading them also which is something I just, like, think about being an academic for a really long time. They read a textbook like they're reading a novel, which is not how you read yeah. a textbook. And it looks Generally, very uncomfortable. no, you're right. Because yeah, they're usually heavier and not practical to hold with just your hands. Yes. <laughs> there is kind of a, I like, so w- w- what's the line she sings? Uh, Look at me and what do you, you see? see? Intelligence beyond compare. She's got confidence. Then, she knows she's smart. Yeah, she's got She's, she's got confidence. I like the uh, kind of reaction shot from the people at her table who are like turning around, and be like, "Oh, oh, the singing's here now." Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, they, but they also like, like look interested and like. 
I think the difference, too, I was just thinking the difference between, like, Taylor and the academic decathlon people and Gabriella and these brainiacs are kind of how they dress. Like, these people are on the cusp of more, like, lawyerly, like, they're Yeah, more yeah, they have kind of, like, ties business. and, like, weird, like, dress outfits, yeah. Yeah, where I think Taylor, she's dressed smartly, but not formally. Yeah, she's still kind of... She's got a blazer, but it's not a fancy blazer. Like, it's not a business blazer. Yeah, she she still has a coolness to her that these these students definitely don't have. Yeah. Although a lot of them are, like, very... I mean, obviously, they're very pretty people. And they're, like, very well put together. They don't come off with that, like, excessively nerd stereotype that you see in a lot of TV and movies. Yeah. Where it's, like, the acne and the glasses and... The curly, crazy hair, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that's why I wouldn't call them like nerds or geeks, but they are called brainiacs. So. By the way, who's 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 singing this song? Who plays oh, yeah. this character? Who's singing? So the the singing brainiac is her character's name is Martha Cox, um, and she is performed by K. C. Stroh, who uh, is in all three High School Musicals. So we'll see her again. Um, oh, cool. She is in a couple episodes of The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, and she appeared in several TV shows, and her longest run in a TV show seemed to be a TV show called Shape Town USA, which I don't know what that's from, but she's also in um, <laughs> a couple other like Disney Channel episodes um, later on, like more recently. I um, can't remember... I mean, how old was she when this movie came out? So this she one, definitely looks older. 2006. So she was born in 1984. Also, she's from Salt Lake City as well. So Okay. Um, local she was talent. One of the locals, yeah. Um, oh, she was in... So um, she was 22. Yeah. So she was in High School Musical, the musical series. Oh, oh, funny. Yeah. Yeah, that's as, good. As Casey. So I don't know. I haven't seen that show so yeah, we'll have to do like a like a bonus like when we're on break what's that called hiatus hiatus when we're on hiatus we'll have to you know just kind of do like a special one-off episode maybe yeah um so she's on an episode of andy mac which um was a disney channel show and then yeah so she oh and uh the other thing she was in for the first Disney sing-along that happened um, during quarantine that like Disney put up on ABC. She was part of the cast. like She was one of the spotlighted characters for uh, We're All in This Together sing-along. So, cool. Yeah, she's still very much part of the High School Musical franchise in a lot of ways. Okay, so yeah, I guess, I mean, her, her role either gets bigger after this scene or like in the other movies or something. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. All right, should we talk about our decom of the week? I just have one more thing because we don't see this very often, but we had an extra look straight at camera when they pushed Zeke down. Um, the guy that was wearing the baseball jersey style shirt, um, he just like straight up when he's pushing Zeke down, it's just like straight up looking at camera. And I'm like, dude, you're very distracting me. Like, <laughs> why are you looking into my soul? This is a lot. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's it for now. We'll get more with Martha and the Brainiacs next week. So. We'll, yeah, there's we'll, much more of this song to to experience oh, too. Oh, indeed, so there we'll have more is. To talk about. <laughs> so this week's decom of the week is presented by me, guest by Tyler, and it is 
Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century, which was released in 1999 and directed by Kenneth Johnson and starred... I was really hoping you were going to say Kenneth Branagh. Nope, I'm sorry. Um, and starred <laughs> Kirsten Storms and Raven Simone. Okay, cool. And that's that's early Raven Simone, isn't it? Yeah, so 1999. It's so a way before uh, That's So Raven. Although, I mean, she's been on television since she was like three because she was in... What what other one was she in? Um, I'm like completely blanking. Oh, she was you. in the Cosby show. She was the little kid in the Cosby show. Okay. Mm, here we go. Xenon, girl of the 21st century. So obviously, you know, 1999, we're at the turn of the century, turn of the millennium. Mm-hmm. So kind of weird, weird that they kind of turn on this um, century instead of millennium. But okay, it seems, you know, a la Phil of the future, who's from the 22nd century. This it came out like, before you know, Phil of the future, Ty. I know. Okay. I'm, I'm saying it's similar concept. Mm-hmm. Wherein someone kind of from the future the like the late 21st century so you know 2089 or something um where you know based on the logic of science fiction we have progressed to a new era either you know there's either transporters or replicators or faster than light travel pick whatever star trek kind of technology do you want and then kind of they've they've achieved some or all of those by then and then, you know, time travel, obviously. So she probably time travels back to 1999. And so and, and then here's the thing, right? Is it like a is it a time travel movie where she has to kind of fix something that goes wrong? Um, is so, so it's like kind of like a Terminator back to the future type time travel or is she stuck and she's stuck in the 20th century and needs to get back? I really don't know. I'll, <sighs> Let's say let's say there's something there's something that she needs to go back in time to fix, um, and so in order to keep her time, and for some reason, uh, she uh, was the teenager who was selected to go back in time for some reason. And so yes, we have Xenon, who's played by one of the actors you said, Kirsten Storms. Sure, and she goes back in time and find, finds Raven Simone, and. Maybe Raven Simone like isn't specifically related to what's going on, but she's like in the town of whatever uh, Xenon needs to fix. So she goes back in time and, you know, turns out that she kind of like she's like out of gas or whatever. She needs to do whatever she's doing and figure out how to get back. We'll just do both, I guess. <laughs> Very back to um, the future. And maybe she needs to like you know there's some fish out of water stuff or she needs to like go to a couple days of high school or something she's like learning what it's like to be in the past learning that the past isn't necessarily like uncivilized or anything maybe she has like these kind of preconceived notions kind of unlearning her biases and learning that it's pretty cool back in 1999 um but also that she needs to get back to the future whoa and so um she digs up something uh like uh, she, maybe she digs up some mineral from the ground um, and it's like, oh, this is the this is the resource we need. Um, like and maybe that like that area had gotten like destroyed in the future. So now they like they need to like preserve that land. So she needs to cause like something. Oh, this this is kind of good. She, so she needs to like kind of rally a group in the past to preserve the land that they're on so that the, it doesn't get destroyed in the future and they can have access to this natural resource. So they do that. 
except there's some there's you know evil oil baron equivalent who wants to like stop her and also figures out that she's from the future somehow and wants to go to the future um, and get access to her time machine so that they can contr- control the world and it's a whole adventure but eventually they they win and they they splat the uh, evil oil baron's face in a cake because that has to happen in every movie <laughs> and then they win well that's an interesting take. It's not right, uh, but darn, I like the di- idea of time travel. Uh, this is not a time travel movie, so um, I like that. What idea. is it then? <laughs> um, it just takes place in the twenty first century, and it takes place in the year twenty forty nine. So not as Whoa. far in the future as you were thinking. Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yeah. So Xenon lives on an Earth-orbiting space station with her parents. Uh, She gets into a bit of trouble um, up there. Uh, She's very precocious and, like, likes being around things. Um, Her friend Nebula is the... um, is raven Simone's character who lives on the space station with her. They have kind of funny, almost, like, 70s future retro outfits. Like, it's a lot of neon and, like... It's very, like, retro-futuristic in a lot of its design. So uh, Xenon gets into some trouble on the space station because the commander does not like children. And even though she's 13, so, you know, age bias there. But they send her, they, they ground her quite literally in that they send her to Earth to live with her aunt. And she has a really hard time fitting in there because... It, the culture is very different on Earth than it is up in the space station, and she gets made fun of quite a bit. But Xenon, like, considers them the ones out of touch because they're not the ones that live on the space station. And she eventually makes friends with a couple Earth kids. And she, while she's there, she's still as precocious as ever, and she's uncovered the that, uh, not an evil oil baron, but um, uh, a big wig kind of, um, a kind of a big money maker uh, has decided to use a computer virus to crash the space station, and um, I guess the, the the description says in collect insurance money, so you know the big dollars there. And Xenon is, like, trying to tell, like, warn the people on the space station, like, you guys are in danger, look out. And they're like, you're just a kid. Um, the commander's like, you're just a kid. We're we're not going to listen to you. And so she, yeah. she thinks the only, she's got to get up there, like, create an antivirus with the help of these Earth kids and get it back onto the space station so that the space station will be saved. And she does. She um. She's the really big fan of um this 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 musician called Protozoa. So P R O T O space Z O A, and his uh and his performer and his companion performers, uh microbe. So, which I just think is a great name. Um, so she. The commander is not believing her in part because he thinks he's just she's just trying to get back on the station to see this concert that's coming up. But she's like sincere and ends up like after the antivirus is made, she runs into Protozoa and he's like, wait, I recognize you from one of these fan contests that we had recently. And she's like, yeah, 
I need to go save my space station. And he's like, oh, well, come on up with me. I'm on my way up there now and you can like hitch a ride Whoa. with me. And um, starstruck. And she lo- she's able to load the antivirus onto the space station and save the computers and save the space station. And the bigwig evil oil baron, not oil baron, um, gets caught <laughs> and um, it ends with a concert for Microbe and some dancing. So You gotta end with a concert. Yeah. I mean, it, it's classic. So um, this is on Disney+. Plus. There are two sequels. So it originally existed to be a pilot for a TV show, but instead they decided to do two sequel films. Um, Kirsten Storm is in all of them, uh, as is most of the cast, including like Protozoa and stuff. Raven is not in the second one, but she comes back for the third one. Oh, good. Reunited. What are the sequels called? Xenon the Sequel <laughs> uh, and Xenon Z3. Wow, Z3 the Mighty Zucks. No. But put a ding in there. That's going to be the title. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so that that is Xenon Girl of the 21st Century. So we only have 29 more years to have a colony in a space station. I think we can do it. Not really. Uh, that seems bad. Oh, um, oh, apparently, too, I missed this, I guess. It's based on a children's picture book. Okay, cool. Yeah. So that was Minute 40 and Xenon Warrior Princess. No. Nope, that's not it. Xenon Girl of the 21st Century. <laughs> Um, Condor, where can people find us on the internet? They can find us on the Twitter at Amateur Nerds. Or me personally at Tyler Booty, T Y L E R B O U D Y. You can send us an email at amateurnerdspresent at gmail.com. Email us what you think the world will be like in 2049. On fire? Maybe. <laughs> or if you have got a suggestion for a future Disney uh, decom of the week, we'd be happy to take any. As long yeah. As, as long as we don't know what it is, we're happy to do it. Yeah, special thanks to our musician, Joe Winslow, whom you can find at joewinslowmusic.com. And our artist, Theo Golden, at tgoldenart on Instagram. Yeah, and till next time. I've been Condra. I've been Tyler. And we'll be trying to prevent the world from lighting on fire with, with our love of singing and dancing. You can bet on it. <laughs>